awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters can be used in different role-playing games. I am your kindly community game master, Jeremy, and I am joined by the um, callously competent Caleb, who is currently swimming in a, a bath or an onsen. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, it's very nice and relaxing here. Um, Have you ever been to an onsen? Sure there is. No, I never have. I don't think I'll ever allow, I ever will be allowed to be because I've got, got tats. Oh, yes. I, I forgot about that. Tats. You can't have tattoos. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. I think there are some around that are now like permitting tattoos, but I think they are still in the minority there. So, I had totally forgotten about that. things that I might not be able to do. But mm-hmm. Hot Spring is definitely on the list at some point. Well, there's the hot springs in Melbourne as well, which aren't traditional hot springs, but they are warm water that you can sit in. I have a question about this because I was asking because yeah. during this episode um, of that time slime, um, the the new character, Malim, is told not to swim in the bath. And I'm like, but it's like a pool. You swim in pools. That's what you do. Exactly. And, like, and Xion thinks the exact same thing. Yeah. It's like Xion. Reasonable and it... Sorry? Me and Xion still on the same wavelength. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Xion, Xion is just bloody great, isn't she? I love Xion. Um, so we are talking yes. about... We're talking about that time I got reincarnated as a slime, season one. We're up to episodes 15 and 16, which is the Jura Forest Alliance and the Demon Lord Malim attacks. Uh, as we start to get into Demon Lords and what, what, what their deal is. Yes, getting upping the stakes a little bit now. Yeah, I had um, I have questions about the Demon Lords. Um, yes. Everyone seems to just accept it as like a title and no one seems to want to explain to Rimuru who they are beyond, hey, they're powerful. But we've had like the Demon Lord Geld and like Demon Lord Cromwell and like all these other people just saying their names. And it's like, yeah, you should know who that is, dude. Like, but mm. are they like... It's... Are they demon... Are they lords of demons? Or are they... <laughs> Well, the latter, I, they are lords that are demons. Oh, okay, okay. So they're not someone who controls... Well, I mean, they might be someone who controls demons, but they are demons who are lords. Yes. Okay, that's what I kind of got the sense of, that they were named individuals who um, were very distinct. Yes. Um, in season two, they definitely go right into the weeds of what it takes to be a demon lord, uh, what all that stuff is but right now it's sort of dealing with one or two demon lords um as they now become uh players in the game now that they've uh sort of cottoned on to maru and this sort of growing uh this growing nation that they have okay certainly when malim showed up i was starting to get worried there was going to be like a super saiyan type thing it's like well now the power's over nine thousand. it's like Okay, like I'm not particularly interested yeah. in like comparing power levels, but all right, <laughs> it's a whole dick minimum contest. It is, and thankfully, um, Malim sort of presents the upper limit, mm. um, as far as I understand, and at least as far as I've seen in the latest se- seasons, th- that cap that Malim has, um, and the cap that's been established by Veldora, that's pretty much like the top tier there all right cool um, that that's good because it did seem like 
well, I want to talk about this when we get to the the bits about Malim, that it is, there's a certain power level where it's just like, you're just a god. You can just do whatever the fuck you want. And it's like, I don't want to have, and, and they were going to get double power. I'm I'm powering up for, for so long. I want it to be more about the the intellectual side of it, which is kind of what we see in this one. Yes. Um, let's go do a quick synopsis of what happens. So the orc disaster, the demon lord Geld is dead. He got swallowed up by a slime, as you do in this world, uh, which means they've got to have the peace talks with the orcs and be like, hey, let's um, you know, bring you to our little little village and you got to swear fealty. And then the king shows up and he's like, hey, I'm going to fight you to prove your worth, which, okay, that, sure. <laughs> You're not a dwarf, king of the dwarves. This is not a thing that you do. All right, I'm, I'm done with that. Um, And yeah, the village is going pretty well. The village is going pretty well for everyone. And then Malim shows up yeah, and is all like, I'm going to smash things. Yep, yep. And uh, that's going to be that, that is helped. That that is helped as they become besties for Estes. Besties for Estes. Now I want to know because I'm watching the dub. I don't know what yep. the uh, the Japanese term is, and I want to know what they're saying. I mean, I could just watch yeah, the I sub was... version, but oh, I want to know what besties for Estes is. So I've never actually watched the subs of these particular episodes, so mm. I don't know. Um. To, uh, I, I would want to do a quick Google search, Google search, but I don't know if that would be very fun listening. No, no, we'll just get someone to write in. Yeah, someone write in. Exactly, someone write in and tell us. Uh, or I'll watch it when I'm doing the, the screen caps or something. Which, speaking speaking of visuals, all right, I've got to address Malene first. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Like, that outfit did... is something. Oh, it's just... Yeah. This is why okay, I've managed I've made my peace with Shion's gigantic boobs. Like they're mostly covered, except in this episode. But like Malim's meant to look like a child. Yeah. And she's wandering around in a thong and a boob tube. Yeah. Like I do not have a good explanation for this. Uh, Malim's <sighs> design has always sort of rubbed me. A little odd. Yeah, um, it's super so. odd. Like, it reminds me of um, Riku in Final Fantasy X. It does, huh? Like, it's yeah. it's that I'm a, a, a young person, so I just wear a swimsuit because I'm all flighty and near the beach. But it's like, yeah, but Rimuru's staring at your chest. And yeah. this is and creepy. Like, you, can some, you can somewhat excuse Riku because she does have you know she like she does live in a beach environment yeah she's in a desert she where, well, she comes from a desert in the middle of the in the middle of the ocean where the hell's the beach forest yeah like yeah it's it's a it's a really odd one I'm not gonna lie um she does get a, like a little battle suit later in this series which is um a much improved design personally. Okay. Good. Because um, so far in this show, it has been, it has had that change. Like, um, the goblins, 
when they first evolved, and we'll get on to evolving, uh, when they first evolved into hobgoblins, like suddenly they were like, oh, my clothes are falling off and I'm all busty. And they're like, cool, so we'll make you clothes. And now they just wear regular yep. clothes. And it's like, yeah. yeah. So it feels like suddenly Milim shows up and she's wearing a thong and like knee-high fur, fur boots. And it's like, what? Is someone going to point out, hey, aren't you cold? Like, yeah. Does your ass like get frostbite when you're flying across? They don't feel cold? I, I guess cold resistance. Ah, <laughs> yes, of course. All right. Yes. That that makes sense there. All right. It, it it feels like it's walking this weird fan servicey line, like, we've got to have some. And they're like, but do we need to have some? Like, really? Like, we've gotten away without it for a long time. Anyway, anyway. Um, so that might that's my complaint about Malay. <laughs> and it's it's a valid complaint it's one that i've also shared what i do like about Malene is that like we were saying she's top tier power levels yeah. like full of this is like going to be one of the biggest per people we fight or discover and kind of is set up as a villain like has like the evil look and is like superpowers like i want to play with a new toy haha <laughs> so she's got this attitude of crazy child who will smash things without realizing right yep and what she wants to do is just have a chat with him and wants to be best friends with him forever yeah and that's where you sort of get the sense that malim like by no means it, like the character is very very consistent mm. um she she is a character that is absolutely no no super ego no filter she is just yeah. absolutely straight so she and because she is so powerful there she is no reason to be anything but she she's not going to be playing the whole machiavellian antics with the rest of the demon lords yeah. um like she's just going to be like bam i'm here i'm here to say hi okay what are you really here for literally here to say hi like yeah i want to know what's going yeah and like she's when they attack her she's like i'm just going to smash you around but still has that holding back of her power because she's like oh well i get to play now but it literally is just i wanted to see what you got like i wanted to come check it out and it's to kind of compare it with um gazel duago's visit as well like, I think it's good that these are back-to-back and we get to look at them that way. Because Gazel Dago, he comes and he's all like, I'm going to check your worth and I'm going to use it with combat. Whereas, whereas Malim just wants to know, are you going to play with me? Like, what yeah. can I, what do you give me? Like, are you going to be friends with me or are you going to be a problem for me? And if you're friends with me, great, my friends. Yeah. Besties, resties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it also helps that um, it is also very quickly established you know, that sort of fighting, that sort of play mm. is basically what the Demon Lords do. Yeah, that's like, like that's, all they do. That's all, all they do. And the second that someone turns around and actually just says, straight up says to her, hey, that sounds boring. Yeah. Um, and it's like, wait, what? Wait, what's, <laughs> what's more fun than that? You've got something more fun than that? Like, uh, show, show me what it is. Tell me. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to be, so, I'm intrigued to see in future episodes whether he gives her like a task that is very basic, like put those build walls up. And she's like, oh my God, this is so much more fun. Or whether it's going to be like, you really find this fun. Like this is more fun than, than fighting. Not, unfortunately, not within this series. Okay. Um, there is actually a called The Slime Diaries, which is your more pastoral fantasy, which is more, more slice of life within the actual town. And sort of, um, it's, it's like more skit based, a little bit more, you know, what what's everyone's little situation for the day. I can kind. Um, it is more the sitcom feel. I feel that there's a few elements of exactly. this episode in particular that really lean more towards that slime diary kind of feel, like when um, yeah. Gabaru's sister shows up and it's all like, "You didn't come because you missed me." No, ew, and it's like, "What?" And it's like. That kind of wacky comedy felt out of place in this show, but it feels like it's so easy that they could do it in another show. Mm, absolutely. And just quickly on Gabiru, he has some of the best lines in this, these episodes. Yeah, he's pretty good um, at these. <laughs> so I, I'll go back to Merlene before we get side sidetrack with Gabiru, as we often do, that I like that... Um, that affable villain that just wants to come by for a chat and isn't going to be like, this isn't our, our end battle. Like you, you have, I think Strahd is a good example of being able to do this because there's someone who Absolutely. holds complete power in the adventure or complete power in their little world or fiefdom and feels absolutely confident that they can go to someone who is nominally an enemy, an enemy, not an enemy. Um, and just sit down and talk to them, not not as equals, but just go, so how are you going? Like, how's the family? Like, I'm going to kill you and it's going to be sad and I'll, you know, send some money to your family after I kill you. But we should talk and connect, man. I like to know who my villains are. I like to know who my opponents are kind of thing. And I love that for Malene coming and being like, I just want to say hi. Yeah, and it means that it also opens it up to uh, very different types of combat. It opens it up to the players being creative. Like, Grimory is It means that you can create these massive, powerful villains and mechanically can be so far beyond your players. But if your players are creative, are smart, are thinking outside the box and may even be, and if you've established this character well enough, like with Malene, like instantly, it's sort of like this is a this is a kid. This is this is uh, completely like talking to a toddler. Yeah. So what do you do for that? Give her a fucking treat. Yeah. Well, she's functioning and... on. I just want. I like you said. She's pure. She's pure id, and no no filter whatsoever. So if she wants something, she's going to love it more than anything else and it's like well if you can find the thing that she loves yeah she's going to be your best friend yeah and And i I like that as well because it's about finding what this person actually wants like what is their motivation what's the thing that drives them and it is that like you're saying that it is she's a child so it's like well what does a child want Hmm. and that's exactly why you can that, that that allows you also to get the players to then interact with your world on an emotional level, as opposed Ooh. to just the rolling dice. Uh, it 
means that they can then start to approach things in manners that are unique to the tabletop genre, which is that, okay, let's act as characters. Let's do what my character would do and know that these other characters will act as according to their desires, their needs. And it makes the world feel a little bit more tangible, like it reacts a little bit more. I think it's because it makes NPCs people. Like it makes them real beings with real desires and real responses as well. Mm. And so something about using your brain and like the way Rimuru defeats um defeats her by giving her honey. Um yep. which of course she like like how she never experienced honey before. I have questions about that, but that's fine. Um it reminds me yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, it reminds me of a couple of moments in the Dresden Files, uh, the Jim Butcher series. I don't know if you've read those. There's um, there's a great sequence. Well, it's a, an ongoing sequence where he essentially gains the loyalty of all the dumpster fairies that live in Chicago because he gives them an entire pizza one time. And it's it's <laughs> oh, just they've amazing. they've never had pizza before, and they're like, "You give us pizza." without asking anything in return. Fuck yeah, we will follow you to the gates of hell and beyond. Like, because no one else thought of them as anything, and he's just using his brain. He's like, yeah. There's another moment where he has um, a token from the Fae, and he's fighting the three Billy Goats Gruff. And of course, the last goat is the the toughest. Uh, And he uses this in, he's got like an hour or so to... um, to f- defeat the final boss and this is when the goat comes up to attack him and he goes no no i need you to go and get me a donut first uh with sprinkles from a certain bakery two hours to the north and he's like well i gotta do it i gotta go and do that now and by the time you get back well i guess you'll have done what you needed to do but i can't so just those those clever ideas of getting out of things that would completely destroy you or completely destroy your resources and finding mm. solutions to what would in most cases be a battle. Yeah. Uh, I actually just remembered, I actually pulled this trick um, with my party just in our last session where, so basically one of the characters, um, you know, initially started as like sort of a joke character and mm. we'll normally just do the sort of random stuff around. Um, one of the uh, ongoing jokes has been uh, Twatter, um, where they mm-hmm. just... Um, it's it's the way that they present it is that we're going to create a mailing list um, where people will pay us and we will send them pictures of boobs that we've drawn. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like the stupid, stupid player crap. <laughs> but... Then they have to go and talk to this vampire elder, like this recluse um, who's, you know, also, you know, along those lines of, I, I basically made them the pragmatic end to what this player's character is. You know, hedonistic, um, sort of self-centered, all that sort of stuff. And... You know, they turn up at the door and scare off the bandits. 
and you know knock on the door being like hey we need to talk to you we need some of your blood and um he's just like look i'm i'm busy right now um go away uh if you if you do not have anything of interest to tell me <clears throat> or show me then we're not we're not talking um and that's when my players uh, pull out the, the the drawings, the Totter drawings, <laughs> passed across the, this, uh, this ancient vampire. It just looks at it. It just laughs. Like like just, just it's like this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. This is great. No one's ever given me this as a gift. Yeah. Uh, no, like, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah I, I imagine <laughs> you in like. Um, All right. All right. That's new. That's new. I respect it. Yeah. yeah. So if you come on in, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about how you're going to get my blood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so, great. Yeah. It can be. It can be stuff like that. So if your characters have pulled something stupid, that doesn't mean that it can. It just goes as a joke. And if anything, it can be really, really good fun if you manage to integrate your player's stupidity into a way that the world like in, into the world itself yeah while while not losing your tone yeah um which you know can be a careful balancing act um quite precarious but that's what dnd is all about really mm. well, i think i think any narratives like that you try to keep the tone and that's what i'm saying with the um with this episode where the tone occasionally shifts a little bit too wacky like those moments i was saying before and i i like wacky but it felt like well we're talking about demon lords and nations and things like that and i don't know these characters well enough to have that immediate chuckle response when they do something like slapstick in the middle of a a conversation about you know the nature of evil and the sins of the orcs yeah so it exactly. it didn't the first episode of this certainly didn't quite hit the mark for me. That's fair. That's absolutely. Oh, uh, I mean, I, I I did like some bits. Um, I liked the idea. Like, what do you do with prisoners? This was this opening sequence yeah. where Rimuru saying, "Look, we're not going to blame the orcs. I've taken their sins onto onto myself, so the orcs are completely blame free." And the fact that everyone then goes, "Cool, that's um." That's fair. But the fact that the orcs still feel guilt means suggests that the sins aren't all gone, but now we're getting into metaphysics and philosophy and theology um, and the like. But it is an issue that does come up a lot in D&D, particularly after a battle, which is what do you do with the prisoners? Yeah, what happens after the battle? Like yeah. you've, you've done the big old war. What happens now? Because now you have a bunch of people that swore themselves to this cause and now you sort of need to convince them not to do that again yeah and i think particularly fantasy stories you do you can either end up with the um i think there's three routes you can go you can go the that time slime route where Mm -hmm. while they weren't misled they were doing it for their reasons and these are understandable reasons let's see if we can work together you go for the lord of the rings route which is all the orcs fled and they hid in the small places of the world and eventually they became extinct and only nice people left were left. Yes, the, um, the, the load-bearing boss. 
Yeah. Or you can go with the, I guess, the Star Wars route, where it's like, well, look, these were just people doing their job. Let's see if we can wend them back into society. And, of course, all the problems that we used to have are still going to be there. Yeah. But we're going to say it's all shiny happy. Yeah. Which, unfortunately, is probably the most common Realistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's also realistic, um, which I guess is up to you whether you want to use that in your fantasy story. Because in the end, is your story about, you know, dealing with this one particular problem or is your party going up against societal systemic issues? Um, so like if they had say, let the orcs go, well, where were the orcs going to go to? They couldn't go back to their um, nation because that had been dried up. Like that, that they'd been going through a terrible famine. It would have been the exact same thing. And it, like they could have just let the orcs go back. And yeah, they could have just said, well, you, you were the defeated army and now head back to your lands and suffer and pay the reparations. Yeah. Like, well, this is the, this is what happened after world war one. They said, well, you caused the war. So you're going to have to pay for all the damages that you caused to us and try and rebuild. And that created world war two. Uh, because they were feeling like they were getting a, a raw deal. And it's kind of why I tend to steer clear of like the bigger picture stories or at least putting players into those bigger picture stories. Like I feel like if people wanted to go into politics, they actually would go into politics. They don't want to play pretend politics unless they're making a massive difference. Like you become the king in a fantasy realm because then you get a cool castle and you know you're fighting gods and demon lords and stuff. It's not because you want to learn about the crop harvest from from the um the plains to the west. Unless you're playing with those sort of nerds. Yeah, which which exist, but I feel um, again, I feel that D and D is sometimes not the game for that. Like you want a different a different game. Um, I'm trying to think of what the game is, and I can't off the top of my head. It's Traveler. Traveler, that's what it is. Traveler. Noted. Yeah. Noted. Because I remember that they sort of tried to do it with uh, the Pathfinder game, mm -hmm. um, Kingmaker. Yeah. Which, you know, is a decent game, but in t the, the city management, city building, uh, realm running hmm. portion of the game feels so incredible disconnected from what the mechanics of Pathfinder are. Uh, it's cool. It's a really cool idea to go with it, but you know, in much the same way that we were talking about last week with how D&D &D mechanically is very suited to skirmishes. D&D mm. &D is more focused, it is definitely more focused on one-on-one -on -one conversations and having a group that's out and about being active in the community as opposed to outright addressing systemic issues mm. unless of a, a dm and players who are very very switched onto that already and like just outside the realm and are willing to sort of work together to make that happen well i think i think it's that idea that one per like there's everyone everyone says one person can make a difference I am yep. a little bit different. One person can't make a difference, but one person can make a difference to somebody else. Exactly. And it's like you can't make... Like a yeah. 
And I'd rather tell the stories about the start of that cascade that you have that like let's let's use D as an example. You have, I don't know, a society of were rats that's like drumming up racism against elves or something. Or yeah. or something like that. So your players are there and they manage to stop the were rat threat and everyone goes, Oh, maybe elves aren't that bad. The one down the street still keeps cheating me on the bread, but the other ones are probably pretty good. And yeah. that's the end of the adventure. Then we jump forward five years and there's a different threat. And it's kind of moved on a little bit, but everyone's just kind of working together again. It's not the you're it's you're trying to maintain that status quo of everyone not killing each other rather than we're changing the world entirely. Yeah. And the status quo there, like the not killing each other is good. But I think also there needs to be perhaps also a sense of impact upon the world as well. Um, especially as you get into the higher levels and you start fighting bigger and bigger things, you, you can start going into the more conceptual stuff, um, like your gods and stuff like that. That well, can start to represent a little bit more. Well, I wonder about that. Because, like you're fighting, let's say, the evil god. You're fighting the evil god and their nation that worships him. They're always against all the good people. Um, like you, you defeat Sauron. It's like, well, does that mean that evil's gone from the world, or is it just the the major force of evil is gone from the world, and now it's just the everyday evil of people? Exactly. And exactly. like, it's it's like if you like dealing with Sauron. If you were dealt simply with Sauron first, that would still leave you know Saruman around. Yeah. You know there are. Um, I don't know if there were any dragons around past Smaug, but there were. You know, there were. Fantastic. There weren't. Um, there weren't. Not yeah. not big enough to really um, matter anyway. Exactly. So it's those situations where if you go straight for the big bad, like, well, what's that? There it leaves maybe a little bit of a power vacuum, which is what we see with. Um, with uh, the Jura Forest Alliance episode, which yeah. is sort of okay. Well, suddenly the Jura Forest Alliance has come into uh, come into this power vacuum. There, uh, like having attained all this labor, uh, having attained all this power, that a lot of the other nations are going. Wait, if this becomes a major nation, we're going to lose quite a little bit. Yeah. Um, but so I think Duago shows up. I think that's part of it that Duago shows up and like forms this treaty with the the Jura Forest Federation or Jura Tempest Federation because he judges Rimuru one on one. Yeah, and I feel like you can't you can't really do that in a role playing game. Like people aren't going to go, well, you seem like a good guy. Like there's the the big story of national politics. Like that isn't. De- that isn't decided by one person. It it can't be, because that one person, once they die, someone else will take over, and it'll be a completely different thing. It's decided by a group of people. It's decided by a federation or a, a council, and a parliament, if you will. So, I would rather when I'm running a role playing game, I would rather not have to have those meetings. I would rather have that lead up to the point where that nation is formed, 
the heroes come and they form the nation and that's where the story ends and whether they succeed or fail well that's a different story that's not the story we're telling anymore we you've had your victory of keeping yourself free or defeating the threat but how it falls out after that well that's for everyday matters and we don't deal with everyday matters in in fantasy adventures we deal with amazing adventures yeah and i guess there is um maybe a point of contention there is that you know if you are existing in sort of like this sort of european fantasy environment you're dealing a lot with nobles and monarchs people that do control the politics um that like single people that do have huge sway um if not absolute dictatorial control over the nation as a whole Mm. so like that can work um if you find yourself basically if it, it then becomes a battle of kings or queens yeah or rulers it's like the good king or the the corrupted king that once you remove and the noble heir comes in instead well everything will be better exactly but the problem is is that dnd is largely a party game yeah so if you are existing as a nation that is run by a council i.e your council of party members then that is going to be very 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 odd and um have some not gonna lie some very interesting uh developments as you know these single leaders try then to get at different party members but then again that does make it very um disjointed like it's less cohesive in terms of wanting to create a party adventure so that's well, something sort of, you have to look out for if you do want to run something like this. I'm thinking something when it's that high up and you are like members of a of a high council or something. I'm thinking of um, Exandria Unlimited Calamity that that um, Critical Role ran, where all the party members were high ranking members of the city council. Like they're all super powerful. They're essentially demigods. And the thing that they're fighting are actual gods and a conspiracy that they did not realize. They're fighting the other members. It's like civil war level. Yeah. Kind kind of thing. And it's like, oh, you're not it's it's moving it past that disagreement of words in in the parliament to they're just gonna have a coup. And again, I find that more interesting when you're suddenly you're not organizing well you're not dealing with a famine because you can't fight a famine famine yeah you um, you you have you give your your villains a face is is what i'm saying yeah or like if you're wanting to fight a famine then there needs to be some extra ordinary way to combat that because again you're in a fantasy environment you're like chances are the more exciting story the more enjoyable story for a party is not going to be making sure that you're rationing your supplies you've got silos built and stuff like that it's going to be talking to um the great fish of a nearby lake Mm. to Mm. um, expel um all its water into the air to allow the crops to grow 
what if I'm kind of thinking um, of this? There's there's the big stories and there's the little stories. The big yes. stories are what's written in history. And it's like, and between the years of 1747 and 1787, there were famines and rolling famines. But the little stories are, oh, and it, you know, it was overseen by good King Gwendol or something. And the little stories are, and a group of heroes went and saved the town because they got the fish to give it the water. Yeah. And I think the little stories are kind of better for adventuring parties because they're easier. They're bite size. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think there is a lot to be said for the big stories. Mm. Oh, the big stories are amazing. It has. Yeah. But in the end, it has to be something that your, um, your players can actively interact with and face. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the idea of the big. St- Sorry, I'm interrupting again. I like the idea of the big stories okay. as a red, as a West Marches, or is it West Marches or Red Marches? Anyway, West Marches campaign, where it's just whoever shows up, but and it's always different characters. Like if you're just playing every week, you're going out, you're doing missions, you're coming back, but over the course of six months, you're able to hold back that army. You're able to yeah. to do all these different things because you've done all those little stories every week. And the big story is the campaign yeah. overall. Wait, did we just invent campaigns? Uh, I guess we did. Yeah. 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 All right. I don't cool. know if anyone's ever thought of it before, but like. <laughs> An overarching story that other people would take part in. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, people should do campaigns. Yeah. I, I, I realize that we're, we're spending a lot of time on this. So maybe, maybe we should. I think we've, we've come to yes. a good, a good settlement. The campaigns exist and yes. it's good. Um, I it's something you wanted to bring up because I've been hogging the mic for a little while. I think. Oh well, uh, I think the main thing that um, I did want to talk about was the stuff with Malim um, and the sort of uh, different ways of doing large, uh, dealing with large enemies before your time, mm-hmm. um, and finding creative solutions. I think, what else would there be? Was there other stuff that you wanted to bring up? Oh, so many things. So many things. Um, I want to complain about the fact that the lizards, once they're named, uh, become more human. Um, That's might not like that. uh, The Gabaroo has two names. He is Gabaroo Gabaroo. As far as I can tell, that he got named again and suddenly he gets wings. It's like, um, yeah. how come he doesn't become more human because of that? I think it's because he's more lizard in, inside. Oh, no, wait. I just realized what it is because when his dad exiles him, he cannot longer lo- call himself a lizard man. I mean, so, so when he evolves, he has to evolve yes. into something different. Partly, yes, but all like here's unfortunately the actual reason. He's a male lizard man. Oh. Yeah. But but there are other male lizard men, weren't they? And they transformed into, into human-like critters? No. Oh, so his sisters... I've forgotten what his sister's name was. They, they were all women. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. <sighs> that's, that's, the, that's the deep world building. Yep. Um... Yep. Yep. It's, it's if you're male, you got 
you become more like you were, and if you're female, you get boobs. That's yeah, it's it's the sure. world of Warcraft design. All right, all right. Well, I'm not going to get into the problems yeah. with that one. Sure, I did like his um, his exile moment. Yeah, um, I liked his exile moment when his dad's like, "You must." He's all like, "I hope I don't get the death penalty," but then his dad's like, "You must leave," and here's your weapons. And then he gets his followers as well. And I'm like, this is the best PC origin story ever. It's like, I am yep. the prince that tried to lead a coup and failed. And I deservedly yep. got exiled. But now I must make my own way in the world. Like, I love yep. that idea. Yeah, like, Gabiru is such a great character. I would love to see, like, a dragonborn slash kobold prince with a trident yeah. that just... Yeah, it is like this bombastic um, little ponce mm-hmm. who just, um, you know, his his job is like working, like tilling the fields. It, uh, like his main job is t- tilling the fields when he's not out doing combat. Yeah. Like he's just like, doing, like fair- ground level stuff. Yeah, I like that. Just the, the good prince stereotype. Of I do these things yeah. to my people because I am no longer I was the former prince. I'm I'm the warrior formerly known as Prince. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh great. Um, uh now going off from, from names as well, um when the Orc King gets evolved and gets named Gel. Yep. Uh and now we've talked before about Rimuru's complete lack of imagination. It's like, it's Gobta, Gobba, Gobsa, Gobcha, Gobfa. Yeah. But the fact that he goes, huh, you're the son of Geld. I'm going to call you Geld. Well, he did like, the exact same thing with the, go- with, with the he Goblin. Did. Um, he did. Uh, he did. Like, like, this is why people oh, are called, like, Johnson and stuff. It's like, you are the son of John. He didn't even think of doing that instead. Or yeah, exactly. Geld Jr. Geld Jr., at least. Or Geldson. Geldson. Yeah. Oh my god. But it just it just smacks that idea that you can only ever have one person by the name so players don't get confused. Like yeah. I it's bad enough. I have two characters whose names end in an A. They both end in A's. And people are like, which one which one are we dealing with? And like it's and they're very clearly different people. And then I made the mistake of naming someone with the same starting letter as well. I'm like, oh no, this is going to be way too confusing for them. But no, we're just going to call them all Geld. Everyone's a Geld. I just, the, I just love the concept of using the Johnson name. If you were to just go, okay, this is Johnson, this is Johnsonson, this is Johnsonson, <laughs> this is Johnsonson, Johnson, <laughs> um, and, and so on and so forth. Until this is John Four. Yeah, like at some point you have just like John with like twenty sons after his name, and that's just the entire family line. Like I can I can imagine that happening over time there in uh, in Jura. Yeah, I can. Well, in the Jura Tempest Federation, which again, like even like, <laughs> all right, even yeah. Name the city Rimuru. Yes. I love that. Oh, I love that idea of naming it after, like, oh, the the characters get a pub and they're like, we're going to name it after our comrade who died. And that's why we live in Dave. (laughs) 
<laughs> we live in the town of Dave, everyone. So this is how you get oh, to the. Man. That's is how you get the city of Boblin. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, it- <laughs> that, that, that smacks of like a DM that had like five seconds to think of something, and it was just like, um, uh, this other name that I did, uh, Tim. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, I am the Elf Lord Gorflindel, and this is my associate, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> we hail from the lands across the water, which are wa- water. Past water. Yeah, past water. Um, <clears throat> which honestly is how a lot of things are actually named in real life. So, yeah. with all this to say, don't be too worried about um, names of places because normally people, especially in a Eurocentric um, or actually, I don't want to say Eurocentric because this also happens in places um, like China as well, where stuff is just named after what is nearby. Hmm. Well, it's tr- I think is it's just what people... It's called mountain. It's a steep hill. Yeah. I'm thinking I grew up in um in a little country town and there was an area of, of river called Mungabarina um, because in the local language that meant meeting place. And it literally was, that was the meeting place when all every all the, the groups got together to meet, they met there. And it's like it's just yeah. that's that's meeting place. Yeah, and if and like, in common, chances are if it was named in common, then it was just going to be the common idea of that place. Mm. It always it always makes me laugh. I'm pretty certain it's in Stark by Ben Elton, and I'm pretty certain it's based on a true story. That in Western Australia, there's a um, an area called Shark Bay. Um, despite the oh, fact that it's not a bay and it doesn't have sharks, but they oh no, it is a bay, but it doesn't get sharks. But they realised the most interesting thing about it was that was it was a bay, like there was just nothing there, and they realised it sounds silly to call it Bay Bay, so we better call it Shark Bay or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that will help us remember that there are no sharks. Yeah. Uh, so- like they didn't um, even call I, it Rimuru City or something or Rimurusville. It's like it's just Rimuru. Like yeah, and I although I do want to mention that it was very very cute to have a situation where all these characters that had gotten names, and you know when like had now seen like this big home now, especially like mm. amongst both the orcs and the Kijin that they just sort of name it after the person that gave them that home. Like, yeah, you know, I, I like that. It's their home. Um, so I, I thought that was a very cute little thematic thing there. I, I do like that. What I was saying before about how the, the good king only lasts as long as the ruler does. And I was watching this and I was wondering that about Rimuru, that he's bringing all these people together. Like, okay, but when he goes away, are they going to still stick around? And I realized just then, yes, they are because they're working side by side and they've sworn fealty to him. And he said, don't kill each other. And they're like, okay, well, I won't. But there was never really that much antagonism amongst them beforehand anyway. There's always like that need to survive. Like the wolves needed to attack because they were hungry. So the orcs. But it's like, well, now we've been working together for six months. We don't need to struggle. We can. We know that it works better together. 
So yeah, Rimuru yeah. can just kind of go, I'm just going to leave and you know continue your stuff yourself. Yeah, and even Benny Maru comes forward and been like, you know, we have always existed mm. under survival of the fittest. In the end, we now don't really have to do that. Like, straight up, Benny Maru just says that. Um, <laughs> You've been expecting him to say Benny Hana. Yeah, Benny Hana. <laughs> yeah. It's a completely different thing. Um, I guess uh, there are other things that you want to talk about. Oh, I'm sure there are a couple of them. I think mostly just little jokes. Like, um, the orcs are now high orcs, which I liked because high elves are a thing in a number of different um, fantasy things, but also just laugh. I'm like, eh, hi. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm that person. It just, instead of starve, they've got the munchies. It's like, yeah, that, yep. that kind of works for me. Um, I'm not going to get into my problems with the fact that the lizard men become human, like just as a an idea of evolving, you become close to being a human because this is the same thing with Dwarf King, Hero King, Gazel Duago. It's like, no, you're a dwarf and suddenly you're a human. That's it's not actually how evolution works and it's saying some problematic things about how you see humans. Um, yeah. Like, but then again, that is the whole nature of like the Lovecraftian cosmic horror that humans back in the 20s yeah. kind of saw themselves as the peak of evolution. It's like to show that you don't matter at all is considered yeah. this horrific thing. Uh, yeah, so I, the world actually was made. Um, yeah, H.G. Wells wrote War of the Worlds for that same reason. Yeah. Um, like, especially living in, um, I believe it was 1890s. Yeah. Um, England. Uh, you know, this was the major global superpower. And so to then write an invasion story upon England from things that were so far technically advanced. It is It is what? Sci-fi. Hmm? We lost you there for a second. Oh, so it, it is one of the major um, if, if not the the main example of science fiction, invasion fiction. Mm. And, like, and I mean, it is kind of that cosmic horror fiction that you are completely powerless against this superior force. And the thing that defeats it isn't you. It isn't planned. It's this tiny little thing that you see as so far beneath your notice that you don't even register it most days. Like honey. Yeah. <laughs> That's, oh, I think we've come full circle. It all comes back around to honey. Uh, I did like as well the um, the offer when, like before, Rimmer is like, ah, being a demon lord sounds kind of boring. That that temptation that the villain can give you, like, oh, you could be like me, kind of thing that that Milim's doing. It's like, yeah, that was a nice little way of just like going, yeah, but I'm not going to. That seems like a lot of work. It's really really far. Yeah, it's like. I've got enough on my plate already, man. Yeah, geez, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not out to be a demon lord. No, no, demon lord sounds like a lot more work that I've cut out for. Let's just let's just chill for a while. <laughs> um, so that's that. Like I said, that's pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. So I'm happy to wrap the episode up there. If uh, if you are, Caleb, absolutely excellent. There is one last oh, thing there, that we do need one, to do. Yeah, one more thing. 
one more thing that we do need to do, and that is decide on the crit fail or the crit hit out of the episode that we've just watched. And um, I would like to know what yours is, because we were discussing this off air beforehand, and you said Shion, and I want to know, because Shion obviously being my favorite, uh, <laughs> I want to know how you're going to disparage my girl. No, no, I'm going to disparage your girl. If anything, I'm going to uh, to uh, lift her up because I was Shuna that I was going to give the nat one to. Oh, okay, good. Um, yeah, uh, that was the nat one on persuasion um, for just trying to control anything that was happening in that onsen. Yes, yes. It seems like onsen are designed for shenanigans in anime. Yep. I'm surprised they, yep. that anyone's allowed back on any of them. Uh, and... <laughs> Mine will be similar. Um, I'm going to give a, a critical fail to Malene, um for this one, for her inability to dress herself properly. Like, girl, just just wear some pants. Yep. That's all I'm asking. You yep. don't need to have a thong. That like That one, one on perception on finding some goddamn pants. Yeah, like, you know what they are. You... Mm. Even if she was wearing a skirt, like I know there's the thing about upskirting that's constant in in, anim in anime. Yep. Just just have her do that. Like put some pants on the girl. It's yeah. Yeah. I mean, then, then again, the game that I played just recent, like yesterday, there were two characters. One who was just wearing a thong. Uh, he was a barbarian, um, and another who was just wearing a trench coat um, because he was a priest. Oh dear lord! <laughs> and we played, we played it off more like you know he's just a weird old guy who just like wears the robe out and occasionally the wind will brush it up and goes ah why? Um, so it wasn't malicious, but it was still yeah you know what that is kind of how part MP uh, how player characters dress their characters. So all right, I'll but Malim, seriously, girl, buy some pants. If there is any way to get your surrounding party members to rave, then that would be it. Yeah, I've suddenly converted. Yes. Just to make you stop. If, 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 if there is any god out there, please do not send any wind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. All right, well... That is us for this week. Uh, thank you so much for listening, dear listeners. Uh, we do really appreciate it. If you would like to subscribe, you can catch us talking about next week's uh, episode, which is The Gathering and Evil Creeps Closer. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Um, sure. Okay. It's better than the gears starting to turn. Uh <laughs> You can leave us reviews wherever podcasts are found. Apple Podcast or Podcast just called. It's not iTunes anymore, is it? No. Um, Spotify, all the other places. You can send us email, which is dndntvpod at gmail.com or head over to the Instagram where it is also dndntvpod uh, where there's going to be some screen grabs of the episode and cute little comments that I like to make. So get in touch if you'd like to give us some feedback. We are starting to reach the end of the series we've got four more podcast episodes to go and then a wrap up so if you do have some questions send them in um and we can answer them on air as we like to do uh caleb where could people read find you on the internets uh they can find me at what's a caleb that is my instagram there and uh that is basically it at this stage 
it's good it's a good place to be anywhere that's not twitter really yes oh gosh run <laughs> run to blue yeah. sky yeah well if someone gives if someone gives me an invite i'll be on uh blue sky like like flies on shit as it were <laughs> what's that from the, the big the, the biggest problem is uh unfortunately it seems like the main way of putting out posts on blue sky is going to be called skeeting which uh hmm. doesn't doesn't sound like fun no i don't like that bleating would yeah. might be better bleating oh bleating would be good bleeding's okay i know on mammoth it's tooting tooting oh that's great. Well, why do we have to follow twitter tooting all, all day um what what we're tooting about now i'm following the Ben Byrne school of uh, segues right now. Uh, we are brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service of Melbourne, uh, which currently has a, well, as the time of um, you listening or uploading this, uh, we'll have a pop-up shop in, uh, in Brunswick. Uh, and we're leading into free RPG day where I will be running Cyberpunk and Caleb is going to be running Ryutama. You didn't have to remind me that time. Yeah, I remembered well. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there are still tickets so available. Yeah, so get it onto the mastersofalchemy.com website so you can book tickets. Uh, they are free. Obviously, it's a free RPG day. This is just to learn to play if you want or to try out a new game. Um, and you can also book us for other private sessions as well or see us at Fortress Emporium in Melbourne uh, every Sunday where we run different games for beginners as well of D&D. So um, I guess that's kind of it. Until next time, stay kind. Stay kind. That's yeah, Stay kind. Yeah, stay kind. Um, be safe to you're, yourselves. You are already kind. You are, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, be safe to yourselves. May all your hits be crits, and we'll see you next time you get reincarnated as a slime. Catch you next time. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.